Our Gospel reading is from John, chapter 6, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and starting at verse 43. And continues to verse 59. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Father, may these words of mine Magnify your Son, Jesus. Lord, we worship and we adore you, and we come to this your table, trusting in you. Amen. Meet me here, 8 o'clock. I have something wonderful I want to share with you. What shall I bring, I say? No, nothing. Just come as, you're, as you are, come by yourself. Now, if you were offered the chance to have a meal with anyone of your choosing, someone famous or someone you knew, somebody from the past or the present, I wonder who you might invite to dinner, or you might go to dinner with. Perhaps with that person you would want to ask them about their life, why they said the things they said, why they did the things they did, why they thought that way, how they did it. 
This meal of bread and wine is all about meeting Jesus, being with Jesus, being fed and being revitalized by him. The invitation is this, come and meet Jesus here at the table. So this is part of our series, uh, Shaping Worship That Pleases God. Now in a communion service, some would say that there are two high points, the sermon which breaks open the word of God, and of course, the bread, the breaking of the bread, the sacrament, where we retell the account of what God the Son has done for us. And tonight is that point in our series when we bring these two high points together as we look now at the heart of the communion service, the word said in the Eucharistic prayer, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why did Jesus leave us this meal? And what does he want us to do with it? What pleases him? Well, I think our passage from the Gospel of John supplies us with some of the answers. And I want to pick out just three things. Firstly, bring yourself. Just bring yourself. Come as you are. Verse 43 opens with, stop rumbling amongst yourselves. Now, I think that that could be a line from 2022. It seems that as we reconnect and uh, start to rub shoulders again with one another, there's a bit of grumbling and complaining amongst us. Well, the people following Jesus were grumbling and complaining among themselves, the text said. They were doing this as they tried to interpret Jesus' teaching rather than accept and obey it. Well, we read in the text just before our passage that having seen Jesus take bread, give thanks to God and break it and then miraculously feed more than 5,000 people, some were trying to work out exactly how this happened, the mechanics of it all. And they had questions for Jesus. What have we got to do? What are the rules at play here? Others wanted proof, they wanted signs. Meanwhile, others dismissed him as merely the carpenter's son. The crowds had just heard him say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The bread of God gives life to the world. No one has ever spoken like this before and they were trying to understand just how he could be saying these things. They were grumbling. But what about his church, Jesus' church? Through the centuries, different streams of the church have emphasized different aspects of this meal. Schools of thought vary. Some saying it's the real presence of Christ in the bread and the wine. Others, it's the spiritual presence of Christ. Yet others, his spiritual presence is not until we receive the bread and wine ourselves. Well, yet more will say it's merely 
a memorial of what Christ did. But to be focusing on the mechanics is to miss the point of why Jesus gave us this meal. He told the people to stop grumbling, knowing they were focused far too much on the gift rather than the giver. As a student of theology, I admit to writing on this particular subject volumes of notes. I hoped I would, by doing so, understand what really was going on. The more I wrote, I got no closer, it seemed, to fully understanding what was going on. So I have to say I love this C.S. Lewis conclusion. He said this, Christians have struggled to give voice to what is actually happening at this holy meal, and certainly controversies have arisen at various attempts to explain it. He goes on to say, I wonder if we are called instead to simply obey it. I don't know and I can't imagine what the disciples understood our Lord to mean when his body, still unbroken, and his blood still unshed, when he handed them the bread and the wine, saying this was his body and blood. Yet I find no difficulty in believing that the veil between the worlds, nowhere else so opaque to the intellect, is nowhere else so thin and permeable to divine operation. Here, a hand from a hidden country touches not only my soul, but my body. The command, after all, was take, eat, not take, understand. And John Calvin, that great theologian of the Reformation, having written a detailed theology, theology on the meal, was able to say, it is a mystery too sublime for me to be able to express or even comprehend. And to be more explicit, I'd rather experience it than understand it. Those first Christians of the Book of Acts devoted themselves to this meal, the breaking of the bread, because they believed Christ's precious presence was again with them and among them at that time. And for us, to each of us, as we take in our hands and into our mouths with faith and thanksgiving and love, it means not only a memory, but it is living, life-giving contact with our Lord. Well, before I became a minister in the Church of England, some of you may know I used to tutor um, the leading buyers in the cheese industry on how different cheeses are made, what's unique about each one, how they have their unique characteristics and how that came about. Well, each day, because it was always with the, the big uh, retailers, would start out fairly formal. The introductions, the company profiles, how each company was doing, uh, and so on. I'd start then with an icebreaker. We'd look at a little bit of the history of cheese, the biochemistry of it. But things only started to soften as we got about thinking about the good things about what's in cheese. But it was really when we started to taste it, when I hands around the plate, and people started to put it in their mouths, and each of us has got our opinion on each thing that we tasted. Then there came this warmth and conviviality that was so different from that note-taking, that trying to understand it. We were tasting and seeing what we enjoyed and, and how much we liked one or another. 
And of the hundred or more masterclasses that I did, I came across a few buyers who said, no, sorry, I buy cheese, but I don't eat cheese. And so for the next four or so hours, I was with somebody who was buying this product, but it was just this product. And you had that real arm's length feel about the conversation. It was only those buyers and those teams that tasted and savoured and appreciated each cheese that it came alive. Well, this meal we call Holy Communion is Jesus' invitation to each one of us. Each one of us who will come. He says to us, I will meet you here. Just bring yourself. My presence will be with you. That's the first thing that I think we can draw out of this passage. Secondly, I think Jesus says, I have something wonderful here to give you. You see, in our text, John emphasizes what this bread is. It's Jesus' resurrection life, which he's giving to us through the bread and the wine. So verse 48, we read, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread, he later says. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And as the reading that we heard from Doug in 1 Corinthians, these are some of Jesus' first recorded words. Jesus was there celebrating the Passover, that ancient memorial of Israel's redemption from slavery in Egypt. It says Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it. But instead of saying, this is the bread which our ancestors ate on the night the Lord passed over, he says to his disciples, total surprise, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, Jesus takes this ancient symbol and he totally transforms it in a surprising way. You see, bread, that staple of life, that food which gives sustenance and life, he was saying, my body is this life. Effectively, he's saying, my death is going to bring sustenance and life to you. Now, the disciples would have recognized this bread broken at Passover, represented the lamb whose blood would have been wiped on the doorposts, saving them from the plague of the death of the firstborn. Now, effectively, Jesus was saying, with this piece of broken bread, I am the lamb which has come down from heaven. It's my blood on the woods, not of the doorposts, but on the cross, which is going to save you from the plague of death and the slavery to sin. At the cross of Good Friday, this is going to be my place of suffering and death, where my life will be attributed to you, and my death will be in place of yours. So that three days later, I, will, I have my resurrection life to give you as well. Well, Calvin, that theologian, described this as the wonderful exchange. His life, for our life of slavery to sin and death, that we might have his life in all its fullness now and forever. So at the cross, at this meal, 
He gives you his life, the living bread, as you believe in him and partake of him. And finally, having invited us to come to experience his presence, to receive that wonderful exchange of new resurrection life in the place of the old. Jesus now invites you and me to abide. Verse 56 puts it like this in the NIV. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. To remain, to abide, is to appreciate and to savour, to dwell in his pres presence and his resurrection life. I think those first Christians who devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread, well, they did so at this meal that they called, in Greek, <laughs> a daphon. There we are. Their chief meal, the feast of the day. This meal was their main meal, and it was the time and place where they would sit, where there was no sense of hurry. They not only satisfied their hunger, but they lingered longer together there. How fascinating, therefore, that Jesus would use that word, remain in me, abide in me. The psalmist put it like this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So this place of presence, this place of life, of sustenance, of living bread, here, Jesus invites you and invites me to dwell here. And for his disciples later that night, he would share his final teachings, exhorting them to abide in him, to abide in his love, abiding in him, the true vine, the life-giving vine, so that they might exhibit the features of that living bread and that true vine. That resurrection life bearing much fruit and love for one another. So as I finish, how do we approach the meal which Jesus gave us in a way that is pleasing to God? He's inviting us to join him and worshippers of him across all nations and across all the generations. But there are some questions for us. Do we want to meet Jesus here, to experience his presence with us? Then let's tell him. Do we want that wonderful exchange, his resurrection life, in place of all that is broken in our life? Let's ask him for the daily bread we each need for the whole week ahead. And do we long to enjoy him more and more? Let's ask him, ask him to help us abide in him, to abide in him and with him, this evening and every day. Come and meet Jesus here at the table. Amen.